Welcome to the top three podcasts for entrepreneurs, your place to get the very best tips, tricks, and tactics from today's most successful entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the top three podcast for entrepreneurs. I'm Stephanie Burns, founder of Chic CEO, and today I have with me Professor Don Fotopoulos. And Don is the founder of Small bestsmallbizhelp.com. She's an experienced entrepreneur and small business turnaround expert. She's rescued more than 400 small businesses, helping to unlock their true growth potential. And as a leading expert in her field, Dawn has appeared on MSNBC's Your Business, on the New York Times Small Business Summit, the Kauffman Foundation's Fast Track Program, and Forbes. Dawn specializes in aha moments, and today we're going to talk about the top three tips for a business turnaround. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm great, Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. So I gave everybody just a quick uh, little bio about what you do, but can you give us the background of your, of your career, your journey, and how you ended up to where you are today from start to finish? Absolutely. Well, um, I'm a college professor right now. I'm an associate professor of business at the King's College, but that's my sixth career. I spent the first third of my career starting businesses, working in consumer product marketing. Then I moved to Wall Street. I was a trader and then I was a banker. I was vice president for Citibank and I ran marketing for three different uh, departments at Citi. And I was also a line manager, which meant I ran a P&L and was responsible. It was about a $130 million business. And over the years, I would get these phone calls from small business owners or people who knew small business owners that were having some some challenges and saying, you know, gee, could you help so-and-so out? And it really started when I was in banking because I had a lot of small business clients. And I would write their business plans and their marketing plans. And I don't know too many branch managers that do that these days. But um, what was very interesting to me is every small business goes through inflection points. And there are a million different reasons why that is. But... Um, I started to see themes and threads, some consistencies in businesses that were struggling. The owners were very smart, they were very capable, but there were some real basics that they just never got. And you're not going to get it by taking an accounting course and you're not going to get it by going back to college or graduate school. But this is like in the trenches stuff that you really need to know. It's like small business 101 before you even put the key in the door. So um, over the years when I've been teaching at the Kaufman Fast Track program, uh, what I did was started to talk about the financial dashboard. So let me ask you something, Stephanie. Do you, do you drive a car? I do. You do? Great. Um, and would you ever attempt to put the car in gear and then close your eyes and no. drive with your eyes closed? <laughs> no. No, right? Well. 99% of small business owners in the United States are doing exactly that. Wow. Right? So when I was panel moderating for the New York Times Small Business Summit Conference, I took a poll. I took a survey. 5,000 small businesses over a period of like five years. And I asked a simple true-false question. True or false, a P&L and a net income statement are the same thing. The answer is true. And guess how many people out of 100 knew that that was a true statement? Oh, maybe one. That's exactly right. You're the only <laughs> one that got it right. Yeah. 
one out of a hundred. And so you say to yourself, well, what's the big deal? Who cares? My accountant knows that stuff. My bookkeeper knows that stuff. Well, here's the deal. Your car mechanic doesn't drive your car any more than your accountant's going to run your business. Okay? So the first tip that I, I gave to you guys is everybody who runs a small business needs to be able to read their net income statement. Why? Because they need to answer a simple question. Are we making a profit? And if the answer is yes, that's a good thing. But it might be that you could make more money if you just made some minor adjustments to how you run the business, case in point. If you knew what customers were truly profitable, and oh, by the way, it's not always your biggest customers. Sometimes big customers are unprofitable because they have so much negotiating leverage that, um, that you can't price where you normally would price. So large customers are not always the most profitable. Second thing is a lot of, especially service businesses, have absolutely no idea which of their services that they offer are the most profitable. Huh. And sometimes the things that you think are making you the most money because they have the highest ticket take the most time and they are not the most profitable. Right. So you got to learn how to read your income statement. You got to learn how to read your cash flow statement, which tells you if you got enough money to pay your bills. And you got to be able to read your balance sheet, but the first two are probably the most important. Wow. So before we get into our top three tips, I want to ask you what, uh, for your success quote, something that you live by every day, something that drives your business, um, you know, kind of your mantra. Tell us what your success quote is. Well, my success quote is from John Maxwell. And he said, sometimes you succeed and sometimes you learn. <laughs> and I think, you know, this idea of Kaizen, which is a, um, a Korean term called continual improvement. And I just, I love that ethos because it gives me the courage to persevere through the, the tension points and the friction points, just continue to move forward so that if you gain something from the experience, even if you lose money or you lose clients, you haven't lost everything. You can take that wisdom forward and, um, and really leverage that. So that's my success quote. I love it. I love it. And I love, I love the Kaizen as well, that, mm -hmm. um, uh, that philosophy. It's, it's great. Okay, so let's dig into your top, top three tips for a business turnaround. And uh, before we hit record, you and I were talking a little bit about how you focus on the turnaround from a different angle. And um, you said something really interesting to me about <clears throat> some people, if the business isn't working, what they do is they ramp up their marketing efforts and they ramp up, you know, try to get more uh, leads in the funnel. And what you're saying is that turns into scaling up an unprofitable business and it, it doesn't really work. So you have top th two, or excuse me, three tips for a business turnaround when you're in that situation. And your first tip is know how to read your net income statement. Yeah, it's really important. Let me give you a story, Stephanie. There was a guy in one of my seminars who was a jewelry designer and really, really talented. And he had 350 clients. I talk about this in my book, by the way, Accounting for the Number Phobic. Um, and 
he was doing about $750,000 a year in revenues, which is not a teeny tiny business. You know, he'd been at it for a while. And um, he said, I want outside investors. I said, why is that? He said, because I, you know, I got bills to pay. And I said, well, let's take a look at your P&L. And as I did, in his expense categories, he had something in there called interest expense, and the number was $50,000. He was spending $50,000 a year in interest expenses. And there's only one reason why your interest expense would be so high, and that's because you're financing your business on your credit cards. Mm -hmm. But those are symptoms of problems. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to go out and get more customers, just like you said, right? I want to get more customers because if I get more customers, I can dig myself out of this. Are you ready for this? $400,000 hole oh. that I've dug myself into wow. on 10 different credit cards. So I looked at his P&L and I realized, first of all, you don't run your business on revenues. You run it on gross margin gross profits because it's from gross profits you can pay all your expenses. So I took a look at his, G, uh, his GM and realized this guy was making 10% on everything he was making, right? All of his jewelry that he was selling, which is not high enough. If your gross margin is not at least 30% of revenues, you can't afford to stay in business. So if he had one customer, a thousand customers or 10,000 customers, it wouldn't matter. If his cost and pricing structure remain the same, that 400000 could balloon. Mm -hmm. All right, does that make sense? Yeah. So <clears throat> what I said to him was the first thing we have to do is we have to realize that that gross margin of 10% has to get to 30% in order for you to stay in business. So how do you do that? Well, you do that one of two ways. Either you reduce the number of items you have in the line and you only keep the items that sell well that have a really high gross margin, like 40 or 50 percent. So every time you sell a bracelet or a necklace or whatever, you're making 50 percent and not 10 percent um, because it's high value. And then the other thing you're going to do is you're not going to do business with clients that don't pay you and that only want to buy your cheapest items the items where you can't make any money. So you have to fire the clients that aren't profitable and you got to reduce your product or service set to only those products or services that make you real money. Otherwise, it doesn't pay to stay in business. So, but you can't know the answer to any of those questions unless you can read a profit and loss statement. And what I did was I hired a Disney artist, no joke, He's a 20-year Disney veteran to illustrate my book, Accounting for the Number Phobic. And it's just brilliant. His name is Ron Bucalo, and I love him. And I said, I really want to break this all down line by line, really simple, and make it funny so that the creative types that are out there doing amazing things can come into this safe space and understand how to read their net income statement because it's like playing a video game. You know, you don't know what you're doing right or wrong unless you can really interpret what it's telling you. And um, so you got to be able to read your net income statement. Does that, does, does that all, you know, put yeah. together? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So what do you say to somebody who is kind of a newbie at that? How do they, I mean, what they, well, aside from obviously probably getting your book, I mean, where do they, where do they get training on that? 
Well, that's a very good question. There aren't <laughs> many places. And, and what's interesting to me is when I took a look at the SCORE offices, when I take a look at the Small Business Development Centers, when I take a look at colleges, when I take a look at even the incubators, okay? Mm-hmm. The incubators are all about, you know, pitching your business to investors and they're all about putting your business plan together, but they don't teach you what to do with the money once you finally get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? And that's a problem. Yeah. Because yeah. you're only going to get one shot to do it right and to begin to get the, you know, the baby on its feet. And if you blow through all that money, it's going to be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to go back to the same people and ask for more money. Right. So, I mean, to be quite honest, I wrote the book because there really aren't any places to go because nobody likes to talk about this stuff because they think it's ugly and it's hard and my bookkeeper is going to take care of it. But um, but the book basically it's 10 short chapters and it breaks everything down with the kind of stories that I just told you line by line and then there are key takeaways. And probably within a week or two you could easily learn this stuff and the stories are really fun like I've got a baker in there and a photographer and you know you will be able to find yourself in those stories awesome that's great oh I can't I can't wait to read it (laughs) already I have to send you a copy I would love that okay so tip number two is learn how to read your cash flow statement Mm mm-hmm tell us about that yep okay so have have you ever um, have you ever given blood, Stephanie? Yes. Okay. And what happens when you give blood? You lie down on the gurney and somebody puts a needle in the arm in your arm and they start pumping your blood out. Great. Have you ever noticed they never pump all the blood out of your body? Now why is that? We need it. <laughs> yeah, you die without it. <laughs> I would die. Okay. Yeah. So take remember this always. Blood is to your body as cash is to your business. Okay, you run out of blood, you die. Your business runs out of cash, your business dies. So if that's true, and it is, then isn't it important that we're able to track it and make sure that we have enough cash to run the business? Yeah. Yeah. And the cash flow statement is really super, super simple, but nobody ever looks at it. But it's very important. And all it really is, it's almost like the checkbook for the business that you see the money that's coming in, the money that's going out. The reason why cash flow is so important and why knowing the net income statement is not enough is because a lot of times revenues don't necessarily translate into cash 100% of the time or it doesn't translate into cash right away. You're an ice cream parlor and people you know, buy their ice cream cone, they pay you in cash, then that's a different story. But if you're a service provider, the likelihood is that you invoice your clients and eventually, please God, your your clients pay you. Um, they might pay discounts for various reasons. It may take them a month or two in order to pay you. So you might book a sale, but you don't actually see the cash and you don't have access to the cash for at least a month or two. So there's a time lag and you got to look at that. And your cash flow statement will capture that for you. So um, I recommend that you have at least three months worth of cash in the account or access to cash. It could be a credit line as well, because sometimes we have, you know, we have soft periods during the year where you know sales are going to be soft. If you're a photographer, you're not taking a whole lot of pictures in January and February, for example. Um, so it makes sense to have a credit line to tide you over. 
but at the end of the day, your cash flow statement is really important. It tells you um, not only if you have enough money to pay your bills, but when the cash crunch is going to hit so that you're not surprised by it, you're not victimized by it, you can plan for it. And the time, frankly, to apply for a credit line is not when you're in a cash crunch. The time to apply for a credit line is when you've got plenty of cash in the bank and you look like a great credit risk. So one of the things we talk, a number of things we talk about in the book is how to manage cash flow. Everything from how to invoice, what the invoice, what kind of information should be on the invoice, how frequently you should invoice, uh, how to talk to clients when they don't pay you. We actually go through that in the book. And sometimes those are challenging conversations, but there's a way to do it. There's also a way to get to know the accounts payable clerk at the client so that when you're not getting paid, there's somebody you can speak to. I mean, we talk about things that are pretty nuts and bolts, but it has an enormous impact on your ability to be successful and, and run essentially a, a, you know, a going concern, a business that can, that can run by itself. So that's the cash flow statement. And you're really talking about getting educated here so that we are able to make the best decisions and plan upcoming so that if we do need to make a turnaround in our company, we're really outfitted with the information that we need financially to do so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know what I have found, Stephanie, is when I go through this stuff in the classroom, which is why I was so convicted to write the book. It's like the light bulbs go off over everybody's head and they look at and they, they finally see what's really going on in their business and they go, holy cow, you know, I'm spending 50% of my time on this client and this client is killing my financials. Mm -hmm. I'll make more money if I work half as hard if I fire this client. Right, and that's yeah. a revelation, right? That's a major, major um, uh, decision point. So what we're really doing is we're enabling people to run their business instead of the business running them and like you said and you said it very well the holy grail is to be able to look at kind of where you are today and say you know what if I make these decisions about marketing and sales and you know and invoicing and cash flow management my business is going to be in a much better place a month from now or two months from now because I know what I have to do. And it's not complicated. That's the killer. I think it's CPA job security or something that somebody out there is saying, oh, it's so complicated. You know, you got to leave it to the professionals. Well, if you're running a business, you need to know at least the basics. When it comes time for tax laws and gap accounting principles and whatever, that makes perfect sense to hire the accountant. But when it comes to managing the business and really understanding where the opportunities and the risks are, you're really the best person to make that assessment yeah. as the business owner, right? Agreed. Yes, definitely. So let's move on to your third tip. And your third tip is learn how to read your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. And tell us why that's important. Okay. So Stephanie, let me, I'll, I'll answer your question with a question and it's, and you asked a good question. Um, can you sell a business? Does yeah. a business have terminal value? Yeah. It can, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It really can. Um, so a business could be worth a lot more than just the breakup value of the desks and the computers and whatever else you have. There is something that you're building that's beyond just the physical equipment and it's a brand 
and it's a client base and or it could be a particular type of technology or it could be a patent or a trademark but these are things that even though they're intangible they actually can be sold for something greater than what it cost you to build it and what a balance sheet is is nothing more than just a net worth statement and we all have net worth mm -hmm. hopefully we have positive net worth right <laughs> yeah. what we own what we have title to is worth more than what we owe out there in the world whether it's on credit cards or credit lines or what have you so the balance sheet is I call it the catcher's mitt you know it collects it shows you the sum total of everything that's happened in the business from the time the business opened its doors so it captures the accumulation of everything that's happened on the net income statement and the cash flow statement and it gets captured on the balance sheet now the balance sheet um, is the third statement that I go through in accounting for the number phobic because I frankly think it's the most complicated because it's got a lot of moving parts but it's, it has essentially three moving parts assets which are the things that you own they are cash or things that are convertible into cash liabilities those are you know credit lines or mortgages that you owe that you have to pay back at some point um, and they're claims basically against your assets and then you have what's left over which is your net worth mm -hmm. if you own more than you owe then your net worth is going to be positive and this is a good thing and what we do want is we want to see that net worth grow over time we want to see it get bigger and more positive then we know that we're really building value into the business and what I do in the book in, uh, in uh, chapters 8 and 9 is I interviewed a senior vice president of one of the major banks uh, one of the com major commercial banks here in New York and we spent two hours together and she just spilled her guts on how a bank looks at your balance sheet and all of us in business have banking relationships but she really pulled the scrim aside and let us see the world from the bankers perspective and it is pure gold <laughs> pure gold and you know I was a banker so I know some of this stuff but there was a lot of stuff she told me about that even I wasn't aware of because I've never been a commercial lender mm -hmm. and she is and it was just oh my gosh this is just radioactive I gotta capture this and I really want to make our small business owners super savvy about how to leverage their banking relationships and how to look at the world from the banker's standpoint so that the title of one of the chapters is how to win friends and influence bankers <laughs> so and the and the good news about that uh, Stephanie is that if you really learn how to do that well then there's a high likelihood that you may not even need outside investors a banker's never rarely 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 gonna take an equity stake in your business and you don't want them to mm. Frankly, you know, if you can run your business well and you know how to make money and how to generate gross margin, then you may just need a, a, a short-term loan to get you up and running and then, you know, you don't need to give away equity in your business. But, um, but at, at any rate, the balance sheet's going to be the key that they're going to look at to see are the assets growing, are the liabilities shrinking or are the liabilities in line with the assets so getting back to our jewelry designer from our first example you know he had four hundred thousand dollars in debt against seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in revenues the guy was functionally bankrupt and he didn't even know it Wow. okay and I will tell you that when I've given talks and I give many of them 
they're like to standing room only audiences, not because I'm so terrific, but because this is such a pressure point. Yeah. And I've had people with tears in their eyes come up to me afterwards to say, you know, I was going bankrupt and I didn't even know it until this morning. Oh, wow. So this guy is not unique. There are plenty of people out there. And Norm Brodsky, who is um, a very, very well-known, very well-respected entrepreneur, wildly successful, he's gone bankrupt twice in his life. Wow. He's a lawyer. And, you know, at this stage, you know, he's just uh, independently wealthy, but he's He's wealthy in wisdom, too. And I interviewed him for Chapter 10, and he said the business is all about the numbers. He said half the businesses that are going bankrupt could be saved if the owners understood how to read their income statement, cash flow statement, and balance sheet. It's that straightforward. Wow. Yeah, half. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Stephanie Burns, if we could save half the businesses that are currently going bankrupt, what would that mean for the U.S. economy? Oh, you tell my God. Me. Oh, okay? yeah. My heart just started racing when you said that. Okay. So I'm on a mission. And my mission is to promote financial literacy for small business owners because that's, that's what I want to see in the future. I want to see those businesses that are really struggling, I want to see them get on their feet and soar because it's all possible. And this is the linchpin. So it's not a sexy topic, but we make it very funny and very approachable. And I have a crash course that mirrors the book. So if you're a visual learner or if you're an auditory learner, you know, it's in every form that's comfortable for you. And then um, I'm running a one-year campaign called Know Your Numbers. That's a hashtag, Know Your Numbers. And I'm going to be interviewed every month by Jim Burns, uh, excuse me, Jim Beach of uh, School for Startups Radio and uh, I'd be you know happy to, to tell Chic CEO what we're doing and every month we're gonna take one small topic out of these three we just talked about and we're going to um, just focus on that and move everybody forward month after month great wow that sounds amazing I'd love to be a part of that. <laughs> oh, I would love for you to be a part of that because I think we can do great things. Oh, amazing! Wow, Don, this was a this was an amazing uh, um, topic to really talk about because this really is a um, a pressure point for entrepreneurs. It's an embarrassing topic. People don't want to talk about it. You yeah. know, we stick our heads in the sand sometimes. I've seen it time and again. I'm I'm guilty of it myself. Um, and I'm so happy that you're leading the charge on this. I think it's an, it's very important. There's so many people out there that are teaching people how to start businesses, myself included. But it's that carryover and that sustainability of, of financial literacy that uh, I believe really needs to be focused on more. And um, I'm so happy that, that you're doing that. So we always ask for a book recommendation um, from our guests. And I want to ask you what your recommendation is and I hope it's your own book <laughs> <laughs> it is Stephanie. Good. It's, it's the longest title on the planet but um, it's called accounting for the number phobic right people who are terrified of numbers a survival guide for small business owners and I have an unusual last name Fotopolis so if you google Fotopolis on Amazon or if you even just google number phobic you'll find it and it's um, it's like fifteen sixteen dollars on Amazon. It's uh, ten bucks. You can download it as a Kindle, 
uh, and it will also be available as an audiobook, but I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen. But um, it is, um, it's a funny book. We took a dry and brittle topic, and not only did we break it down, but I used the analogy. Have you ever watched the movie The Wizard of Oz? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in one of the last scenes, you know, they finally get in to see the wizard, and there's all this smoke and, and loud, you know, booming voice, really intimidated, everybody's shaking, and Toto jumps out of Dorothy's arms. Do you remember this? And, she, and, it, and he runs over to the curtain and pulls the curtain aside, and all of a sudden they see this short little gray-haired man. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what the book does. That's exactly what the book does. It takes this really booming, intimidating topic and cuts it down to size in an instant. Oh, that's great. And it changes people's lives. I've seen it. I, you know what? I, I feel, I, I just feel that from you. I'm sure that it's going to be an eye-opener, not only for me, because I plan on reading it as well, as, as for our community. So thank you so much for that. And then we always end our our podcast with asking our guests to give our community a challenge, something that they think if they did today that would impact their business in a really healthy and great way. So what is your challenge for our community of entrepreneurs? Okay. I challenge everybody in uh, the Sheik CEO community to find out what their average gross margin is. What their average gross margin is. Margin is. Okay. And if it's at least 30% of revenues. If their average gross margin is at least 30% of revenues or higher. And if it isn't, there's something very important they need to fix. Now, for a service business, it's going to be harder to figure out. And the way you're going to figure that out is what the value of your time is because your cost of goods is really your cost of time. Right. But I'm going to challenge everybody in the community to find out what gross margin is, understand what it is, and then find out if their gross margin is at least 30%. At least 30%. Got it. 30% okay. revenues, yep. All right, everybody, you heard her. Go out and find out where your gross margin is. And if it's not at 30%, we got to figure out a way to get it there. That's it. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, Don. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our interview and um, really hope to have you back again. And thank you for uh, all of your tips today. Oh, you're welcome, Stephanie. A pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Top 3 Podcast. If you're looking to start a business, come on over to chic-ceo.com to get all of the information you need to get moving. If you're looking to grow your existing business, you aren't quite ready for a business coach, but you know you need some higher level business strategy, the Chic Elite program is a perfect fit. So head on over to chic-ceo.com to check out all the resources and for the show notes to today's episode.